Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in the humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Let's pray before we come yet into God's word. Father God, we, we pray that you would guide us as we approach your word now. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that you lovingly and willingly sent him for us and to us. And we pray that as we reflect on what that means, we pray that you would work in each of our hearts and encourage us, Lord, in our walk with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, most of us would already know that it's never a very good idea to get between somebody who is passionate about their coffee and their first coffee of the day. Do that and you're very likely to encounter the less pleasant side of their personality. Missing that first coffee of the day can leave somebody who drinks coffee regularly feeling pretty grumpy. They might get a headache. They probably feel flat and, and feel tired, which is something that I recently found out firsthand. For the last 20 years or so, I have been a pretty heavy coffee drinker, usually drinking three or four cups of strong coffee a day. But around a month ago, I gave up coffee completely. And I can tell you the process of doing that is really rough. I've never been a smoker and I've never been much of a drinker. And so, but giving up coffee has given me just a hint of how hard giving up one of those things must be. Every morning for the past 20 years or more, I would wake up and the first thing that I would do is go in search of coffee. When you take that away, every morning you wake up feeling as though you're missing something. You feel flat, you feel tired, and for at least a few weeks you get a lot of headaches and, in my case, even some migraines. And all these signals are your body telling you that you need coffee. And it's really hard not to give in. Every time you feel tired, every time you walk over to the coffee mugs just out of habit, your body and your brain is telling you that you need coffee. But as important as something can feel when you're trying to break a habit or curb an addiction, we don't need coffee. Now, I know I've lost half of you. Um, but at, at least I know the, the coffee, the tea drinkers are still listening, as long as they didn't stop listening when I started talking about coffee. But anyway, uh, coffee is something that some of us enjoy, or at least used to enjoy. And it can be a great way to get ourselves to sit down and relax. It can be something we use to connect with others over, over a hot drink, but we don't really need it. Not like we need to eat or we need the oxygen we breathe. But for nevertheless, those who are 
regular coffee drinkers, strong coffee drinkers, it can feel really, really important. And there are lots of things in our lives like that. Things that we think are really important. Things that we think we need. But at the end of the day, these things won't satisfy us because they really aren't our greatest need. I can think of so many times in my life where a project or a, an event has felt so important that I felt as though all I needed was for that thing to go well. But once that thing's over, once that event's done or that project's completed, they just don't seem that important anymore. I can think of many times when providing for my family or building a future for my children has felt really, really important. But as good as it is to care for our loved ones, that isn't our greatest need either. Because no matter how many times our feelings tell us that we need this thing or that thing, or to do this thing or that thing, at the end of our days, all those things will feel meaningless compared to addressing our greatest need. And that's what makes Christmas such good news for those who trust in Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much you've achieved in this life. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or how much the bank owns. It doesn't matter whether you're young or you're old or you're good looking or you look like the rest of us. Death is something that we'll all have to face sooner or later. And it's something that we are all powerless to do anything about. But that's what makes Christmas such good news for those who trust in Jesus. Because on that first Christmas, Jesus entered our world to address our greatest need. So this morning, I've only got two points for you. And the first is that through that first Christmas, Jesus defeated the power of sin and death for those who trust in him. Now, that sounds an awful lot like what we celebrate at Easter. But that was all made possible because of that first Christmas. When Jesus began to share in our humanity so that he could destroy the power of sin and death for those who trust in him. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never had to defend Jesus' humanity to anyone. Most non-Christians will have no problem believing that Jesus was a man. And because of this, well, when we're talking to non-Christians, we find ourselves defending the fact that Jesus was God. But the fact that Jesus was fully man is just as important to God's plan of salvation as the fact that he was also fully God. And verse 16 explains why. When it says, For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Or in other words, Jesus was only able to represent us on the cross and pay for the guilt of our sins once he had fully shared in our humanity and had become a real human being just like each one of us. 
Now, the descendants of Abraham mentioned there, that's a little bit of a cryptic um, way of describing it. It's not talking about the biological descendants of Abraham, but rather, as Galatians 3 explains, those who trust in God's plan of salvation. If Jesus was just fully God and he hadn't shared in our humanity, he would absolutely have the power to save us all, but he wouldn't have the power to represent us, to be our representative before God, our perfect sacrifice in our place. And so because of his love for us, he humbled himself from the status of the creator of all things to becoming like one of his creatures. As Philippians 2 reminds us, being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And even though Jesus hadn't yet paid for our sins on the cross that first Christmas, when he entered our world and shared in our humanity, he made salvation and hope beyond the grave possible. And that's what makes Christmas such good news for those who trust in him. Now, the second point we have for you this morning is that through that first Christmas, Jesus became the merciful and faithful high priest of those who trust in him. Have you ever been really frustrated about something or really upset and had somebody come up to you and say, I know how you feel? Now, if you've had the presence of mind in that moment, maybe you've thought to yourself, they're annoying me right now, but I know that they mean well. But they're in reality, their attempt to tell you that they know how you feel probably made you more upset than you were in the first place. Why is that? Well, it's because they don't really understand what you were going through at that moment. And to think they did, well, it made it feel like they were minimising your pain. That's what makes Christmas such good news for those who trust in Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just tell us that he knows how we feel. He willingly put himself through all of the sufferings and temptations that we face so that he could genuinely identify with our suffering. He experienced all of the normal challenges of growing up as a young man. He was tempted in all the same ways that we attempted. He was rejected. He was falsely accused. He was betrayed by a close friend. He wept at the funeral of someone he cared deeply about. And he later cried out in desperation to God in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went through all of these times of sufferings and temptation and many, many more. And yet, unlike any of us, he went through those hard times and did not sin in any way. And he did all of this so that he could save those who trust in him from the guilt of their sin and rebellion. As verse 17 says, 
He was made like us in every way in order that he might be become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. It was because Jesus was born as a baby and grew up experiencing all of the normal challenges of living in this fallen world and of sharing in our humanity that he is able to be our merciful and faithful high priest, the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father, speaking on behalf of those who trust in him. Without our merciful and faithful high priest, without Jesus speaking to God the Father on our behalf, we would be condemned every time we sin, every time we get upset, every time we get impatient or or make another selfish decision. Because those who trust in Jesus have a merciful and faithful high priest speaking to God the Father on their behalf, one who has shared in their humanity and experienced all of the suffering and temptation that is common to mankind, yet did not sin. We are able to have assurance of our salvation and confidence beyond the grave if our hope is in him. There are lots of things that we can feel like we need in this life. But the good news of Christmas is that Jesus entered our world to address our greatest need. Jesus shared in our humanity so that he could take our place and face God's judgment, the judgment we deserve for us on the cross. Jesus shared in our humanity and all the sufferings and temptations that are common to man so that he could identify with us in our weakness. And Jesus shared in our humanity so that he would be able to stand as our merciful and faithful high priest, interceding for us to God the Father. That's what makes Christmas such good news for those who trust in Jesus. We might love our cup of coffee in the morning, or tea for that matter, but we don't really need them. What we do need is to regularly remind ourselves of the good news of what Jesus has done. The wonderful news that Jesus entered our world to address our greatest need. That is the good news of Christmas. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for the wonderful gift of Jesus. Lord, we acknowledge that there are so many things in our lives that we feel like we need, so many things that we invest so much of our time chasing after. And yet you sent your son to address our greatest need. You met us where we were at and brought us to yourself. Lord, we pray that as we continue our Christmas celebrations today, you would help us to keep this good news in the centre of what we are doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.